spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez, welcome to Region Review. God, it feels good to be ranked. Mm -mm. Jesus Christ, does it feel good. Like I said, welcome to Region Review, Matt Miguez. Josh Jagno, man about town, sits across from me. Jerry Bear to our left. Gentlemen, we are 72 hours from game number two in the college football season for the Raging Cajuns. We, we go to Atlanta to play the Georgia State Panthers. Um... I'm not a huge fan about playing in a baseball field, but, I mean, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. <laughs> hey, I'm it'll, ready to get back on the field after last week. It'll it'll be what it'll be. Uh, guys, plenty to talk about in this episode. We were fortunate enough to secure the services of Mr. Brady Weiler of the ThursdayNight.com podcast. Uh, you know, they, they somewhat seem to specialize in Georgia State basketball, but, you know, obviously, like us, they keep up with. They keep up with everything, so he was fortunate. He was, we were fortunate enough to have him join us for about half an hour, talk about the upcoming game, talk about their season. And he was very informative. Very informative, very knowledgeable. Um, we think you guys will enjoy that interview very, very much. Like I said, game Saturday, 11 a.m. on ESPN2 with Georgia State. And according to Vegas, it might not be pretty. Vegas misses G5 games a whole lot. I know. Can can we just personally? Can we just be happy that we're a seventeen point favorite this early in the year? I don't. Uh, th- have you listened to Nick Saban ever? That's rat poison. Who man. cares about Nick Saban? That's rat poison, brother. Nick Saban's a jerk. Well, considering the fact that Billy Napier has adopted Nick Saban's model to run our football program, I kind of that's true. Like, that's okay. where he's going with that. I, I have heard Trust Billy. The process. Right? I have heard Billy Napier say that he that this is Alabama two point Trust the process. Uh, the process has gotten us a 19th ranking, so I guess you. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doubting the process. Uh, don't, don't, don't think that that's what's happening here. Do you I guys just, walk around town with like an extra little bit of? Oh yeah, you know, something Pep, there. Like, Pepping pep you step. Every time you see a guy with a raging Cajun shirt on, you're like, you look at each other, and you're like, oh yeah, uh-huh. oh yeah, you know, right. we know. I had, uh-huh. a, I had a buddy text me today. Good friend of mine graduated from UL, uh, but you know, he's kind of always grown up in an LSU household. Um, so he, he supports both, but if you asked him where his fandom lies, probably a little more to LSU. Uh-huh. Um, he was offshore this past weekend and he just texted me this morning when he got home and he said, dude, I'm just checking the score. Holy crap. You guys dismantled Iowa state. I said, yeah, bro, go watch the game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I really said fun. It was, it was a fun one. It's really good, and uh, so we. I did. I watched know, it three times. We've we've posted out the uh, the state of Atlanta podcast that I, I was able to do. They invited me on, and you know they started with the name stuff, and I said, you know, I basically told the guy, look, you can call me what you want, but just remember to call me number nineteen yeah, in the put, country, put, baby. Put that nineteen in front of it. <laughs> That's right, man. Put some you spec know, on it, baby. Su- Sunday when the when the AP poll came out, one of the first things I did was pulled up the ESPN app, and they they had the little number nineteen in front of it. And, and I showed it to Caitlin, and she looked at me, and she goes, how does that make you feel? I said, honestly, it's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I said, that's going to take some getting used to. Right. I, I mean, I, I remember back when we were terrible being 119. 
Remember yeah. those days? Being 119. Or, or I remember one year we were like 122. Yeah, it's a good I, thing so, that they don't put that next to your name. <laughs> I know. Um, and I think that's why we tweeted it out, right? The that, number that, 130 ULM Warhawks. It's, it's nice to see. Uh, that's why we tweeted out on the on the tw- on Twitter. You know that that little number on the left looks pretty good. Looks pretty nice. Yeah. Nice little trick. Nice little. No, that 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 would be a damn shame for you, Monroe, if uh, if they put numbers one through one thirty next next to the name Kansas too. That'd be can't really recruit also. Don't really want to recruit to that too much. No, I mean how how can you how can you recruit to Monroe anyways? Uh, How is Kansas still that bad? Dude, I swore to the ever living (laughs) heavens that when Les Miles got hired as their coach, that he would turn the pro. I I didn't think. He would turn them into like national prominence, but I didn't think that they would still be at the bottom of college football. Dude, my entire they're life, a joke. My entire life, Kansas has been bad, except for maybe like a three-year run in the late '90s with Eric Mangini, Mangino. Yeah, forget his name. Anyway, my my lasting memory of they Eric had, Mangino was they do a game. They when the science first started getting. Uh, popular, some guys in the crowd, and and the slogan back then for ESPN was, uh, you know, champions live here or college football lives here. Dude standing behind me and Gino, who's about four bills, all right, and he's got the sign above his head and it says, "Obesity lives here." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I'll never forget that. That is my lasting no. image of Kansas football. I remember it was it was three years ago. Kansas played Nichols, and. You know, Kansas, I, I remember reading the fan boards. Kansas was like, oh, man, you know, we're, we're going to run this game. You know, it's just Nickel State, blah, blah, blah. So uh, a tangent of Nickel State fans drive up to Lawrence, Kansas for the game. And as the game's winding down and, you know, Nichols is about to win the football game, they pan over to the Nickel section and there's a student holding a sign and it says, it's just Nickel State. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Like, dude. And it's just, but you're making the point. Kansas has how many? You you were setting you were setting yourself you lose. You're setting yourself up to get your ass run out of the building. You're paying D two schools to come up and beat, beat you. you. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. That they, and they and they have year. now they have now paid Coastal twice. And what's insane? And now they have to go to Conway. play on the teal. Yeah, next yeah. year. And yeah. what's crazy is that I remember in 07 when Mangino was there with uh, Todd something at quarter Todd something I forgot his last name. He played quarterback, but. They were ranked as high as number two in the country and won the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So they I was about to say there there was one I mean, there was one year when you, Mangino was there where they were they were they pretty were relevant. And so like they have potential. It's not like it's impossible to win there. We've seen that they can win, but ever since he leaves and gets I think he got fired. Well, no, yeah. they got caught paying players like did untold amount amounts of money. Well, that, then, that's that's why they suck. They can't afford to pay players anymore. That's right. They're bad man's at the basketball arena and not in the football <laughs> yeah, stadium. with Bill Self. <laughs> I know. Well, he leaves and then all of a hiring, sudden hiring Snoop Dogg to bring strippers to the Midnight Madness party. <laughs> well, like he leaves and then all of a sudden they go from like 11 and 1 seasons to back to 1 and 11 seasons. And it's well, not like they're lo- And then what's weird is Yeah, that's what happens. They're not paying five stars anymore. But you got to understand. Here's the weird thing. They'll go one and eleven, but their one win is against some like legitimate well, team, like Texas. They're, and they're, like, they're in the Big Twelve. Where the hell did this come from? Like you, you, you know, you can't beat Nickel State, but, but see, then you'll play TCU and beat them. Yeah. But you see, here, here's 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 the thing. You know, talk, talking about the the money thing, Lawrence, Kansas might be a shithole. I don't know. I've never been. But the thing is, is that if you give an eighteen year old, you know. 
however much money. A couple hundred grand. You can convince them to go play anywhere. Absolutely. If you buy me a Ferrari, I'm coming. Yeah, come give, come play basketball with yeah, me. Give me, yeah, give, give, I mean. give me a Range Rover and a stack, and I'm coming to Monroe. Yeah. No like, are you kidding me? I'll go to Pierre Part for a couple thousand <laughs> Pierre, bucks. Pierre Part. God, I, I hope my girlfriend's family doesn't listen to this. <laughs> oh, is she from Pierre Part? Family is. I love Pierre Part. I got look. That's just a very. And you small see, town. brings me bringing her and her family up brings me into my next point. She went to Hanville. Kansas has Puka Williams Jr. Yep. Yeah. From Hanville. Yeah. I don't know what Les Miles is thinking, but I watched the game against Coastal. They barely they, played. They are not using Puka. The way he needs to be used. He, he, he barely his, played. His freshman year, which was, I don't know who the coach before Les Miles was. Yeah, the head got there as sophomore? Yeah, last year. Because this is Miles' second year. Okay. Um. So last year. um, But in Puka's freshman, dude, he was the Big 12 freshman of the year. Yeah. He had 1,500 total yards of offense. And Les Miles shows up and just, you know, I mean, granted, Puka ran into some offseason trouble last year, but he only missed the he only missed the season opener. Maybe he has an attitude problem. Who knows? I mean, maybe. But you know, let, let's talk about let's get back on track and you know talk about how this will be the first time that the Cajuns play in the renovated old Turner Field, now called the Center Park Credit Union Stadium. Guys, it's a baseball field that they tricked out. It's nice though. I mean, I'm, I'm not. They, they I'm did not, a good job with it. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I mean, God, what was so bad about sharing a stadium with the Falcons? That when their three thousand fans showed up, it felt like fifteen people. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's close. You gotta. But you I mean, gotta, you gotta, I, I is, to, is, is this project really going much better? Well, I'll give an example. So I went to two games at Georgia State. I went in thirteen and fifteen, and I mean, when you can pick your own seat and sit on the fifty yard line, ten rows up, because there's nobody on your side, it, it makes a big difference. I think perception. Tulane went through the same thing in the Superdome. I mean, if you look at the attendance of the Tulane games in the Superdome, there were more people at high school games in Acadiana than they are at the game and at the Tulane game. And now that they have their own on campus stadium. More people are showing up, and there's a sense of pride with that. I think with Georgia State, it's a little bit different because obviously Turner Field's not on campus, but technically Georgia State purchased the stadium. Like, it's their stadium. So, no, yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's what I, I was going to say. you got to think that there's they're saving money on there. lease, and it's their own. they own it. So that's, that's a big part of it. It's more of like an asset, you know, maybe a budgetary issue. Plus, dude, you don't want to play in an in a empty stadium. I mean, that's terrible. It doesn't matter, matter how nice it is. They can go play in the Mercedes-Benz. If nobody's showing up, what does that say to your program? How do you recruit to that? Yeah. Win games. Well, yeah, but in order to – it's chicken or the egg. In order to win games, you got to have good players. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Georgia State and UL have only played each other twice since 2015. Cajuns winning both. Cajuns have actually won all four matchups. They've all been pretty close, too. Outside of well, the two, in, two of them have been close. We played Nick Arbuckle two times in like a three-year span, of, and two those of games them have were been close. close. Yeah. Th- those two games with Arbuckle at quarterback were close. Right. Outside of that, we've pretty much run them. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know how we talk about sports hate, and I, I don't have any animosity towards Georgia State whatsoever now. It pisses me off when there's stupid I have, fans I have calling us I have animosity towards their basketball program. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's I mean, a whole nother thing. Football, I mean— well, either way, I don't really have any hate towards them other than, like I said, they're idiot fans who call us Lafayette on purpose and misspell Raging Cajuns on purpose, but we're going to fix that here in a little while. Uh, but, but outside of that, like, I'm not really familiar with the team. I, I had to go and 
put myself like I had to look for ways to find out about the program. I went and dug into Phil Steele. I went and look at their stats like to get an idea of what they were going to do. Um, and then they have a lot of starters that they have 16 starters returning, but they have a lot of new pieces in, in key areas. So I don't even know anything about the team. Yeah, no, not nothing really at all. Um, that, the players that'll, that'll rub off on the players as well. They're not they don't they they've never played there before. They don't really know a lot of those guys. They've not played against them before. So that's something to watch. It just kind of goes into my I'm definitely afraid of Georgia State rant. And I think the thing about Georgia State, their football team, their football program has only existed for 10 years. Right. Uh, they started in 2010. They started out, I think, in Division Two or something like that, eventually moved up. Quick jump. Quick jump, I think, in 2012 or 2013. And the times we've played them, like I said, two of the games have been pretty much two, two touchdown games. The other ones have been closer. But even then, um, you know, we really don't know much about them other than the fact that they're kind of a they're kind of an up and down program. Like one year they'll go two and ten, and then they'll do what they did last year and go to a bowl game. Oh, and, for sure. And, and I mean, they they've done that a few times. They've been to a few bowl games already in their ten year history. Um, so, you know, it goes to show you like they have invested into their program. I don't think they've. I don't know. If, I don't really know if they've seen the success they've wanted to see or not because they've had some good and bad years, but. You know, they're, they're very, they're kind of a, a mystery to me, their program, because you don't know what you're going to get with them, you know? I mean, this Saturday, don't get me wrong, I, I expect us to win handily, but they might give us a game for a half. We don't know. Uh, we, we just don't. So, um, you know, I think they've done a they've done a fantastic job representing the conference like they did last year. Um, but, again, they're to me, they're, they're more of a mystery than anything. They're not as familiar as, like, an App State or even a Monroe. Like, we know Monroe. We, we don't know much about Georgia State. Nothing? You good? I, I said what I had to say. All right, guys. Big big thanks to our sponsors, Priority Access Urgent Care. Shilling Distributing. No Vegas stuff? Oh, well, I thought we had talked about that already. You, you you said they're wrong, so I mean, I didn't think we really wanted to I, I, touch gotta, on it. I got to appeal to my degenerate all right, brethren. All right, there. Cajuns in Vegas, Moneyline, minus 800. The spread is minus 17 in favor of the Cajuns. Public money is on the Cajuns at 8-1. to one. That's just to tell you something. Over under 59 and a half. I expect 17 to go down, but if it goes up, you're an idiot if you don't take the points. Uh, just my un... I don't know anything about betting. So my unprofessional... No, there's there, there's a reason I stay out of it. Yeah, I don't... I just, I just know that the spread is how many points they're projecting us to win by, and the <laughs> over-under is how many total points. That's all I know. The over-under is under 60, which is it's kind of surprising because you think both of these teams could score. Again, we have a new quarterback in Pan- uh, uh, for the Panthers, so maybe that's playing into it, but I think 60 is a little low. Uh, I think the spread is going to go down before the game starts, and I think it's interesting that the public money is on the Cajuns, but we'll see. Yeah, you know. Like now said, we can do the sponsors, Matt. Like I said, big thanks to the sponsors, Priority Access, Urgent Care, Russo Exploration, Shilling Distributing, Award Master, PSC Supply and Hardware, Escape Reality, Travel Agency, Vaulted Security, Gulf Coast Bank, and then, guys, I want to spend a second talking about a company out of Hammond called p and Company. They are a Louisiana clothing company company um their their catchphrase is southern clothing with an accent um you know really really cool uh it's a husband and a wife nick and kate killebrew out of out of hammond um they actually run the company from their house they have a room in their house with all of their you know shirts and as an as an order comes in they just walk in the room pull it off pack it up ship it out it's pretty cool free cool free three-day shipping um nice they always throw in a couple of goodies with the uh with the with the order. So uh Piro and C O dot com. 
is the website. Check them out. Great deals. Um, What's their Twitter know. handle so people can go out and at Piro and Co. Yeah, um, that's where I've seen them. In, you know, uh, their 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 Twitter their Twitter following is a little small right now. They they just started working on Twitter. Um, they thrive on Facebook. They have like ten thousand followers on Facebook. Um, so you know they're pretty well known. But like I said, great people, down to earth. Um, they're actually they just made so they have a college collection of T-shirts and they just made a McNeese one. Twenty five percent of all profit is going to the McNeese University Foundation to help with Hurricane Laura relief. Very cool. So, uh, you know, aw- awesome stuff that they're doing. Give them a follow. Tell them Region Review sent you. And uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will be joined by Brady Brady Weiler of the ThursdayNight.com podcast. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Winwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Cajun Nation, welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. We are looking forward to the game this Saturday against the Georgia State Panthers. 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN2. Josh Yagno, Man About Town, and Jerry Abair is here with me. Gentlemen, are we ready to break down this Georgia State game? Ready. Absolutely. Fantastic. Joining us as joining us to help us break down the game with the Panthers is Brady Weiler of the Thursday Night Podcast. Brady, welcome in. How are you today, man? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Oh, doing well. Good. Thanks for having La- us. Lafayette's uh, Lafayette's in paradise us. right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, Brady, talking about Georgia State, I want to start with Sean Elliott entering his his fourth year with the Panthers. Obviously, last year was your best season under Elliott. Uh, in in your opinion, where does the fan base stand? with this current coaching staff? 
So I think anyone who is like capital U unhappy is just unrealistic uh, because he's been here three seasons and his team has gone to a bowl game in two of those seasons. But I think the thing with Georgia that you have to keep in mind is now that they've been to three bowl games, it's been the same formula every time. There's been a grad transfer or a junior college quarterback who's come in. The first year the team hasn't done well. The second year they've gone to a bowl game. So I think fans are generally happy because bowl games are ultimately the goal for college football teams. But I think what they're looking for is sustained success. And so I think if the cycle continues a couple more times, people are going to start being more and more feeling like, the program just kind of spinning its wheels. But, I mean, ultimately, you really can't complain about two bowl games. Given the lows of the lows of where this program was over the last decade, you really, it is unrealistic to not be happy with the results. Brady, Josh here, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. It's always good to get the uh, what we call behind-the-enemy lines uh, perspective. So we certainly appreciate you joining. Uh Last year was obviously your best year as a as a football program. It's a young football program, so I mean, it's it's to me, it's not even it's not even a question. You guys had your best, obviously your best win for sure, beating Tennessee on the road. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Sean Elliott that always kind of perplexes me, as long as he's been at Georgia State, is some of the times or some of the teams that he's put on the field that were predicted to be their worst were your best, and some of the the returning teams that we expected to win uh, underachieved. It, it, isn't that interesting? It's an interesting thing with uh, with Elliot. What do you guys see over there uh, about Elliot in that regard? Yeah, well, I think it's part of the same part and parcel with looking for the sustained success because I think basically every year he's been here going into the season, there hasn't really been a lot of like, this is how the team's going to be in this way. And it, there's been a lot of unknowns and a lot of variability. Whereas I think the last couple of years with your team or with like App State, they've known they should be the best in the conference and lift up those expectations. So I think it's just more of the same with it hasn't been strung together for season after season. And it's not a, in the top echelon year after year, Sunbelt program. And so I guess that's what I'd say about that. Yeah. So, so Brady, Jerry here, um, you know, this has been an odd season to say the least, even now, uh, and of course, the Cajuns have have ha- they have one game under their belt already. I know for the Panthers, it's going to be the opening game this weekend, home opener. Um, as we've seen across the country, like I said, it's been a weird year. Uh, the first game, you know, it's it's real. Sometimes you have to work out the kinks, work off the rust. Um, what what do you expect to see out of Georgia State this weekend? Uh, considering the fact that you do have some new starters coming in, uh, it is your first game. Like I said, odd times call for, you know, odd reactions. What do you see coming out uh, of the gate on Saturday, knowing that Louisiana has already had a game, had a big win? What what kind of expectations um, do, do you, as well, and, and, and um, from the Georgia State fans you've talked to, what can you guys expect this Saturday for your first uh, game? So hearing from Coach and his media availability this week, he was very amped up and like, we've been waiting months for this and we had two games that we were supposed to play that didn't happen. So it's even more pent up. So I'd say from Georgia state's point of view, the worry would be more being too amped up rather than not ready for the game. Like they're ready to go. It's just a matter of channeling that. Um, but the other part of it, and I think that it's something that we'll, we'll maybe have to 
at the beginning of the game, how it's playing out is that just on a pure being up the game speed and live tackling and everything point of view, I do wonder whether we'll see some of that to start with Georgia State. We've seen it with some teams where just tackling and everything hasn't been up to mid-season form just because guys have been out of doing it for nine months or whatever, however long it's been for any team. So I think they'll be ready. It's just a question of some stuff they can't control just because they haven't been seeing live action. And that might be where Louisiana has an advantage to start. Brady Weiler from the ThursdayNight.com podcast, our guest. Brady, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities between Billy Napier and Sean Elliott. And, you know, Billy calls Georgia State, as it stands right now, the most improved team in the Sun Belt. You guys have 16 starters returning on both sides of the ball. You know, do, do you agree with his his comment about being the most improved team in the Sun Belt? And if not, where do you think you guys can improve? So I'd say it's a little too soon to say for sure, but the blueprint is definitely there because the big ticket item is that Dan Ellington's no longer quarterback, and that is going to be a determinant of the season overall, how the quarterback play is. But there's a lot of starters returning on the offense. So the offense under Brad Glenn should continue to be good, and the bar was set last year with how that was. And the defense has a lot of experience, and while it hasn't been up to the same level as the offense, there is that experience there, which hasn't really been there since Coach Elliott's first year at Georgia State. So I think if the offense stays at least where they were around that area of good and the defense even modestly improves, then it could be a very good Sunbelt team. Brady, you have uh, probably for the first time in a while some some pretty big question marks at quarterback. Seems like you guys are going to start Quad Brown, 6'5", 200-pound freshman, big guy, big kid. Uh, tell us about him a little bit, and why do you think he ended up winning the job over the Vanderbilt transfer? His name escapes me, but I know it was a pretty heated battle uh, in the offseason. Yeah, Jamil Muhammad, the transfer from Vandy. Um, I think the biggest factor in that was Quad was able to play last year, and so because of that, he was second in the depth chart and was playing Georgia State's offense during game weeks. Whereas Jamil Muhammad had to sit out last year, and so I think a lot of times he was doing scout team quarterback stuff, and so he wasn't learning the system from last fall on. And I think Quad had a little bit of a leg up, and it sounds like he just was consistent, has gone about the job, and as Coach Ellie was talking up his running ability during the press conference this week, he was saying, I don't think he knows or he knew how good of a runner he was. So that'll be interesting to see because we know from last year that Brad Glenn likes to call run plays for the quarterback. So that was something we didn't see from last year for him. He, he played in the ULM game, but it almost really doesn't rate as the quad ground we're going to see because he was throwing it at halftime because Dan got hurt and true freshman with very little advance notice playing on the road. It's not really a fair experience to say that's who this guy is. So given we didn't have spring games to see him play, and I think we're all really just going to see for the first time what Quad Brown is, but I think it is not going to be what we saw last year from him in the very limited time that Georgia State fans saw him. Well, I think the good news is for Quad Brown is that he's going to have some help. Um, which leads me to my next question. Uh, 
The Panthers have uh, Cornelius McCoy, who was a first-team All-Sunbelt, and then a third-team All-Sunbelt in Sam Pinckney, uh, both wide receivers. Um, probably your most veteran position group on the team. Um, with a new quarterback like Quad Brown, would you say you're confident in these returning in the returning receiving core? And um, what can you expect from them this season? Yeah, I think that in McCoy and Sam Pickney, he's got a very solid wide receiver one and wide receiver two to work with because they work together well. They they kind of have complementary skill sets. McCoy, a good possession guy. He's a guy that you know, third and medium, he's going to be an outlet for if George City's the first down, they can drop a play to get him open and he'll find a spot in the zone or run a post or whatever. And Sam Pickney is a big target and his problem has been staying healthy because he's been hurt both over the last two years. He got a medical red shirt because he didn't play this four games in 2018. But he's a big target, and especially as the field gets shorter, he's been a nice jump ball guy that Dan liked the target last year. And so I think that he's got two guys that he can count on there. And then I would also uh, add in the tight ends are really good. I, I would put Roger Carter and Aubrey Payne up against anyone. Uh, they have different, you know, Aubrey Payne is a really good downfield, just kind of like Sam Pinkney, and Roger Carter is a good possession tight end. and there are going to be some two tight end sets often, and some of them will be pass plays out of it. And I don't think that they get nearly enough love um, as they deserve because I think they're really good tight ends. Brady, you know, let's transition. You know, kind of, kind of, even with the tight ends, let's transition to the offensive line now. You know, you lose another first team All Sun Belt performer with uh, Hunter Atkinson graduating at left tackle. But you return lots of experience on a line that was very good last year in terms of both run blocking and pass protection. Uh, you know, if, if you had to if you had to break it down, what do you expect from from the O line in twenty twenty? So while the quarterback position might set the ceiling of the team, I think the offensive line sets the floor because it was a really good unit last year, and like you say, there's four back. Um, it's Coach Elliott's position. It's something he is targeted from when he got on campus of trying to add depth to and add talent to because I mean when he got here it was not in a good position um, and it worked and last year it was probably the best position group on the field on a good team and so I think that the expectations are for the Lions to just be good and that he is going to need them to set the tone in the run game and help pass protect and. I just think that if, if the offensive line is what it should be, then Georgia State has a certain level of wins they're going to get to just because the run game is going to work most games. Okay, as a Cajuns fan, I expect to see Georgia State run the football, I think at least attempt to run the football for sure. Um, in the backfield, you know, you lose Trey Barnett, career rushing leader from last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. You lost him last year, and he has been the career rushing leader. It looks like just glancing at the stat sheet, Destin Coates is going to get the majority of the carries. Do you expect Seth Page to step up and kind of be a one-two punch, or do you think they'll rely on Coates? Or kind of give us some more insight on the uh, the running back situation. Yeah, well, obviously Trey was running back one last year, running for almost 1,500 yards. It's not a, a stat from a running back to state to ever come close to seeing um, incredible year for Trey, but both Destin and Seth were contributors last year. Uh, 
Destin popped off a big run against App State for a touchdown. Seth Page against Troy had a big one, 65 yards out there. He just ran through a gap and just hit top speed, and there's nothing uh, you could do. And there's a freshman that came in, Marcus Carroll, who, again, Coach Elliott singled out in his media time. And so, especially if the O-line's doing their job, it's a talented room of running backs, and so I'm not necessarily concerned. I think it's going to be a good group. So, uh, Brady, defensively, uh, you'll be looking to improve from 2019. Uh, defense gave up around 36 points uh, per game, 406, 456 yards of offense per game. Um, it's interesting because Georgia State is – it's interesting a linebacker in the secondary because you do have some experience there. Uh, what kind of expectations do you have for the defense, especially with uh, a veteran linebacking and secondary core coming back this year? So this is the one place where I'd say probably the fan base has got the most animosity is that the first year, the defense was the better unit and the reason Georgia State went bowling in 2017. And since then, it's been a decline and fans are kind of fed up with defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay. And this is kind of a proven year for them. I guess every year's <laughs> been a proven year for them. They've been kind of frustrated. But I think that's also starting to reach ahead with Coach Elliott. It seems like he's ready for the defense to be better. And in the bowl game press conference last year, he was talking about how it was just the most outward comments where it was like, you can tell he's frustrated with defense performance, but it's not the players. And this year there's really no excuse because it's a really experienced unit. Nine of the 11 projected starters are juniors or seniors. And it's some guys who have been there since coach Elliott has been here. And so this is really a prove it year for Fuquay to put it together with the defense. And I mean, like I say, the experience is there. There's guys at every level that we know can play. And it's just about them putting it together, uh, not allowing big chunk plays. Because the thing is, is it's a kind of conservative defensive scheme. And I think when Georgia state played Louisiana last in 2018, a player even in the post game was like, yeah, we knew what they were running. It was really, basic stuff. I don't remember who the player was for Louisiana, but it was a kind of a jarring comment for the fan base to read. They were like, oh great, you know our defensive scheme. But it's also a scheme that has given up big yards, so you can't really be conservative and give up big plays and not force turnovers. That's just a disastrous formula for a defense. Brady, you know, we'll talk about special teams now. Uh, You know, kind of been interesting the last couple of years you know you've produced some nfl level type of talent especially a guy that the three of us love and will lutz down in uh down in new orleans but uh yeah he's, he's our guy it's very hard for me to uh he does well but i'm a Falcons fan so the thing's doing well it's hard it's hard to root against him i know i know but uh you know last year was kind of a downfall Adventurous, we'll call it for for you guys, special special teams wise. Do, do you think it'll be an improvement this year? And um, if you don't think that it's going to be an improvement, what do you think they have to do in order to make it an improvement? So, I'm sure you guys know this as much as I do. For as long as we watch college football, college kicking is never a certainty. There's always, you know, missed kicks inexplicably. But that said. 
Coach Elliott and his staff went out and got a grad transfer from NCAA and Noel Ruiz. He was an accurate kicker for them last year. He's got a leg from, it sounded like at least 50. Uh, he had a game-winning kick last year for them. And so he's kind of been brought in as a ringer of one-year make field goals. So if kicking isn't good for Georgia State this year, then that's a disappointment because they brought in a guy specifically for this. And it's the one position where a guy transitioning from FCS to FBS shouldn't matter at all because it's literally the same thing, kicking the ball. And then I know punting is a lot less fun to talk about, but Georgia State's had a pretty consistent kick punter there, Brandon Wright, who also did the kicking, but he was a better punter and he's now gone. He's on the Jags practice squad for now. And so I think it, it's going to be the devil you know versus the devil you didn't. And punting can turn games sometimes, and it's going to be a freshman, and Coach Elliott seems confident in him. But it, it's one of those things where everyone's been familiar with Raymond Wright going out there, so it's going to be different. Look, man, we're not scared to talk special teams on this podcast. Uh, we are we are very pro-kicker. You know, kickers are athletes, too. Allegedly. Allegedly. But uh, – no, I, if you watch the game, like well, you did watch the game. You said uh, on Saturday against the Cyclones. Um, obviously, we can we can return kicks. So, what was your coverage like last year, both punt return and kickoff return? And I'd, I'd also like to know: Did you have a lot of penalties and special teams last year? Uh, so yeah, I watched, and I can tell you the game plan is going to be probably rugby punts. Yes, don't and find the directions to get away from your kick returners. Um, I know that Coach Elliott's inclination is always to limit damage on special teams. And the thing with Georgia State was under Coach Miles, special teams was a real detriment, which is funny given he had Will Lutz there who ends up being a Pro Bowl NFL kicker. But there was a lot of just goof, missed stuff, you know, missed blocks on extra point attempts leading to a blocked extra point or on field goals and just really wacky stuff. And Coach Elliott solidified the special team so where it's not a negative, but it's also not been a game-changing unit, which I think and Coach wants it to be because special teams is where you can kind of turn games around. Uh, it's been a unit that his first year here, they allowed a kick return. And I think every year there's been at least one longish return. But it's not been a where I'm going into this game thinking, well, Georgia State's going to give up two kick returns because the kick coverage is awful. It's been decent, and then sometimes, you know, someone leaves their lane and there's a long return. But it's not a huge gaping negative. So, you know, you, you say that your, your special teams is known for allowing a long return. Does that mean we see a second Chris Smith touchdown for the Cajuns this weekend? Like I say, most times it's been fine. It's just, you know, if someone leaves their lane, I think the only person who has a kick return for a touchdown in Sean Elliott's tenure was ULM's Marcus Green, who he's really good. Um, he's not the only team to give up a return to him. So I, I think on the whole, I, I'm not going to do something as silly as say, no, this is not going to happen because that's the quickest way to curse it into happening. But I think that Coach Elliott is going to go in with the mindset of not letting special teams beat Georgia State. And, you know, it's a luxury that Iowa State obviously didn't have. They didn't know what they were going to get hit with. But I think once you score two, you sort of give up the game where coaches are going to start playing against it. 
as best they can anyway. So talk a little bit about some names that we can see, whether it's highlights or big plays um, for Georgia State, uh, besides just the skill positions. And, and of course, you got guys in the skill positions that are coming back, but I know you have some new starters as well. Uh, if Georgia State were to produce some highlights this weekend, who would some of those names be? And that uh, goes for newcomers as well. Uh, any guys making their debut starts? Uh, who are some some key names to look out for this weekend for Georgia State to uh, make an impact on this game? Yeah, I'll give you a twofer. It'll be, they're both newcomers, and it's the safety tandem. Uh, the projected starters at safety are Chris Moore, who is a grad transfer from Virginia, and Ant Lane, who is a redshirt freshman. So sort of the polar opposites of newcomers. Um, but Chris Moore, from what Coach has said in his remarks, is kind of a steadying force, a guy who's setting everyone up in the right position. And for a team that's had a problem giving a big play, that can't be overstated. That's a really important thing to have in the middle, especially since there's no returning starters there at safety. And then Ant Lane sounds like is a guy who just makes plays and he sounds like he's kind of foisted himself into the starting role of safety just by making turnovers in camp and it's called a pit stick. And I think that that is a dimension of defense Georgia state hasn't consistently had Georgia state just hasn't had a playmaker at the defensive end. They've had good players throughout the years and good defenses, but it's never been something where the, there's that one guy who's going to swing a game with one play and, it sounds like they've got some hopes that he's that guy. Brady, how healthy are you guys? Uh, whether it be, I, I, you know, COVID related, I don't know how, how often or, or how soon you get that information in the week. Uh, and I, I, we're going to get injury report, I guess, here today. But as far as you know, what, what is the health of Georgia State? Yeah, so I think today is the day they start the testing for the games on Saturday. Uh, so I'm not sure that's going to go. Um, I mean, Georgia Southern last week had a death chart that didn't show anything. And then on Saturday, they had like 30, 40 guys missing. Um, and they released it just on Saturday. So it might be something where we know close to kickoff if anyone is missing. I don't know how they're going to handle that. Um, but as far as other people missing from the death chart, we, we talked about the running back group. And Seth Page actually isn't listed at running back for this week. He's had some knee injuries. And so without speculating too much, it might just be that he's not 100% to go. And part of that might just be that Coach Elliott trusts the other guys in the room and they just don't want to force Seth if he isn't really ready to go. And then another thing that wasn't on the depth chart, we're not 100% sure what's up with it, is Jam Williams, who is a transfer from South Carolina. He was another guy who was going to be in the secondary, possibly a player on special teams, another play type guy. And We'll see what goes with that. Um, but other than that, everyone else who we're expecting to see is listed in the depth chart. So expecting to see out there on Saturday. Brady, obviously, you know, we, we spoke about our win against Iowa State. And, you know, also in the Sun Belt, Arkansas State defeated Kansas State. And then Coastal Carolina went and somewhat manhandled Kansas. Somewhat. That was a uh-huh. ass kicking. You know, what what was your impression about the Sun Belt playing so well out of conference and do you think that uh do you think that the conference is poised for a major year? Yeah, I, I mean the Sun Belt's been getting better year on year since Georgia State's been in the Sun Belt. It wasn't anywhere near this 
when Georgia State arrived in 2013. Um, and it's just been, obviously, App State coming in and Southern coming in being good teams has helped that. And it feels like every year there's a new big win. Georgia State obviously did the last year with beating Tennessee, Halen, and now the trifecta this past week. I just think the thing is, is with all of the new attention, this game wouldn't have been on ESPN2 this Saturday if not for other conferences not playing. But if the Sun Belt can pick this year and really make some noise and take advantage of there being less teams playing and more TV coverage, it's going to be good for the conference because it's going to show a lot of people, hey, maybe this conference we've totally written off has got some juice we didn't know about. The gap between G5 and P5 has been lessening. And I think if teams in the power conferences don't get up and bring the energy against G5 teams, especially ones that we know are good, it's not going to go well for them. And that's just how football in 2020 is versus maybe how it was in 2000. Great. Last question for me. I'm just curious, and I try to ask this of other programs when we do these type of things. Do you root for conference mates? And if not, why? If so, why? So Georgia State's got a bit of a thorny relationship with Georgia Southern, as you probably know. And so that's the one where I don't think many people for Georgia State are going to wish Georgia Southern well. That's just how rivalries go. I'm sure you've got well, some feelings towards something. That's, that's, my, that's my mistake. I should have asked you, outside of that school down south, how about the yeah, conference yeah, mates? Yeah, I mean, Georgia State, I, I don't pretend that App State doing well definitely makes Georgia State seem better than they used to be in people's eyes just because it's about App State performing well. But I, I, whenever the Sun Belt does something good, people take note of the Sun Belt. And so the next time something good happens in the Sun Belt, they're like, oh, that was the team, you know, Georgia State beat Tennessee or App State beat the Carolinas. And so it just kind of builds. And so the. Sunbelt doing well and all the schools feeding in their own achievements together just raises the level of the expectation and level of notoriety. And when you're fighting for notoriety day in, day out, that, that's the only thing you really ask for. And so if other schools help you do it, by all means, go win games. And uh, Brady, adding on to that, uh, I had the chance to go on the the Georgia State message board the other night, and I I saw a few fans that had mentioned some things about wanting to get out of the Sunbelt Conference. What is... What is the ultimate goal for Georgia State as far as the fan base? Like, where, where, you know, we always say the sky's the limit. What is, what is the sky <laughs> in regards to Georgia State, this Georgia State fan base? Where, where does, where do you want to go eventually? So, this is the thing I get tricky with because I think that there's a, some kind of perception that for some people that like we're above the Sun Belt and it leads to some attitudes that I think are less than helpful. But the truth is that the American Conference, with it being a team, you've got Cincinnati, urban um, campus, research institution, all that, Houston. There's a lot of peer institutions in the AAC, and obviously the AAC is more heralded in mind, and especially since Georgia State's strength is basketball. Um, I think that there's a lot of hope that eventually, when there's a new arena, Georgia State can get to the American Conference and join all of those peer institutions and a better perceived league. But it's not going to happen until there's the arena. And 
probably at least until there's a little bit more of a remedy of football stadium just to make it a little bit more of a finished product and a new baseball stadium that isn't in the middle of Panthersville, Georgia. Um, but I think that fans want to get to the American Conference. That's what they aspire to. And I think it could happen sooner than later, depending on when alignment talks start up again. But end of the day, you're still in the Sunbelt right now. And as we're seeing, the Sunbelt can still be a good conference in football and in basketball and provide everything you need. And bowl games are still bowl games. NCAA tournament appearances are still NCAA tournament appearances. Brady Weiler's been our guest. Brady, we, we appreciate you, man. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us, breaking down this ball game, and uh, good luck to you guys on Saturday. Yeah, good luck. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate Thanks, you. Brady. There he goes, Brady Weiler of the ThursdayNight.com Georgia State Podcast. Guys, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the interview when we come back from this break. When we do come back, we will, we will like I said, we will break down the interview that we just had with Brady, and we'll give you a Sunbelt preview of week two. We'll be right back here on Ranger Review. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome back to Region Review. And you know, there's there's a lot to uh, there's a lot of information coming at you in this episode. Uh, one thing we we've recently added is the State of Atlanta podcast was kind enough to join us for I'll call it a roasting session. Um, you know, that's essentially what it was. 
Yeah, uh, it was it was just a little you know because because they they interviewed Josh last night on their podcast and you know they constantly called us Lafayette. Misspelled Ooh, name. They spelled Raging Cajuns wrong. Yeah. You know, blah blah blah. So we decided to return the favor. You know, jab them a couple times. Had all in good fun. Uh, they were good sports about it. Cajun Nation, you guys are gonna love it. So uh, I think we rammed home the point that uh, we're the number nineteen team in the country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cajun Nation, here you Live in the lab, Rage and Review, Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, and Josh Jagno here with me. Guys, it's time to get a second opinion on the Georgia State Panthers. We are going to be speaking with David Brown of the State of Atlanta podcast. And uh, this will be a fun one. I think so. Yeah, for sure. David, welcome into the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, David, what's up, bud? Hey, good, good to talk to you again, Josh. Yes, sir. So, you know, right right off the bat, David, um, you know, what 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 are your expectations for Georgia State this year, and how do you feel about playing the number nineteen team in the country, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns? Well, it's definitely not how I planned on starting off the season. We were hoping to get a, a little uh, ease into it with Murray State a couple weeks ago, but uh, yeah, that didn't happen because of all the madness going on. But honestly, yeah. It's so hard to tell what's going to be happening with this Georgia State team this year. We, over the past six years, we've had this history of starting a new quarterback, winning one or two games uh, that year, the next year going to a bowl and rinse and repeat the past six years. So, you know, we did that bowl game last year. We lost our quarterback. He graduated. We were in that rebuilding year again. And it, there's just a lot of question marks. Question marks on the quarterback. There's question marks on the running back. Question marks on the defense. That being said, I like the guys we have on the team. I like the coaches we have. And so I felt pretty good about starting the season. Uh, not too keen about welcoming a, a ranked opponent into our stadium for the second time ever for our very first team-up game. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier today. Uh, this is going to be the first time that we play you guys in the new in the new uh, baseball stadium over there. So we were thought we were thinking like, you know, that's got to play into the psychological aspect of our players. And uh, I mean, as a fan, I'm definitely I'm, I'm cognizant of that. So uh, I guess, well, first of all, I want to ask you, do you guys have any new information on your injury uh, report? And after that, I'll ask you a little bit more along the lines of the first uh, comment. I know the depth chart came out, uh, I guess it was uh, Monday, and it was pretty much as expected. There were a couple of guys out, but I don't think they were necessarily going to be uh, starting or taking a lion's share of any kind of snaps or anything. So yeah, I think we're, we're pretty healthy. And knock on wood, going into this with everything that's going on in the country right now, we've actually maintained uh, some health in this uh, preseason and, and we get this first game. And then my second would be, uh, what is the fan? Are you guys allowing twenty five percent, or what? What are the the actual rules and guidelines with COVID and everything for uh, the attendance on Saturday? They are capping it at five thousand total people in the stands. I think that even includes uh, 
the coaching staffs and the players and everything. They've got an allotment for students. There's an allotment for the season ticket holders. Understandably, we've got a lot of season ticket holders that decided just to roll over their tickets to, to next year. So um, not to be a full house in that respect. Uh, the band will be there, but they will not be performing on field at all. They'll be distanced out and stand. They even relocated which side of the field they're going to be on. And I believe there is an allotment for uh, opposing team fans, but I'm not sure exactly how that part works at all. So, you know, 5,000, wouldn't you say that that's probably normal Georgia State attendance? You know, the reported attendance uh, is always between like, you know, 15 and 20,000 is what the university puts out there. I've obviously been to all these games. It's uh, it's hard to get a real take on it considering the size of the stadium and then what seats are actually available for purchase. I would say typically we're, you know, we're probably in that 10, 12,000 attendance generally. So, I, I don't expect it. I don't expect us to see five thousand people in the stands this Saturday. I really don't. I think uh, we're getting the remnants of the storm that passed through you guys here now, and I think you know that's supposed to be stalling out and give some bad weather for Saturday. And then with everything with COVID going on, a lot of people. I, I'm afraid we're going to see you know a very very low turnout. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like out there. So, David, going into this weekend, um, it is Georgia State's first game. Um, and, of course, uh, Louisiana pulling off the big win last week in Iowa. What What is, uh, with everything going on with COVID-19 and just all of the commotion over the past six months, what is the perception going into Saturday? Are the fans hungry for some football? And in spite of the rain, can you expect people to still show up regardless just because of the anticipation? And don't forget, we're the number 19 team in the country. <laughs> yeah, you guys can't say that one enough, can you? I wouldn't, uh, I'd be doing the exact same thing if I were your coach. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's going to be really hard uh, to tell what that fan attendance is going to be like, but uh, talking to other fans and looking at the social media and everything, it's really divided. There are some people that are still in the camp of, you know, we should not be going out and doing public events. We need to just you know, call this year a wash and move on to the others. And then you have the rest of the fan base, which are deep, true Southerners that are like, you know, play football and die. Like, I don't care. I want football. I got to have my football. That's all I want to see. So I know people that are going to be there. I know people that are not going to be there. It's going to be uh, really tough, but uh, I do think welcoming in um, a ranked opponent is definitely going to be something that people are going to want to see after last year's big win in week one against Tennessee at the Knoxville. You know, they know that Georgia State does have the ability to uh, pull that upset and make people take notice and they want to be there. They want to see it. Don't forget, man, the number 19 Louisiana Rachel Cajuns. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, Josh, again, listen, we uh, we were able to watch the live stream last night. We actually had a good time. I thought it was fun, man. Like, Oh, I, God, I, it was hilarious. As I said, you know, when we spoke together uh, prior to, to the live stream, I, I am so I'm a huge believer in sports hate. You got to have sports hate to have a rivalry and without rivalries, what are we doing here? Right. So we wanted to have fun. We brought you on because we know, like you said, y'all are y'all are more for, in it for the fun, drink a beer, have a good time. And, and we are very much like that also. So we just we wanted to have some fun, loosen it up. And I, with that being said, we we don't have a ton of familiarity with the program, like kind of like we discussed earlier. What is it about UL, Louisiana, Raging Cajuns that? the Georgia State fan base just hates. What's, what, where's the hate? Where's it coming from? <laughs> well, I think there's a part of it is just that you know, there's that natural rivalry between uh, Atlanta and New Orleans, and then that kind of carries over to the entire state of Louisiana. So that's kind of like the foundation of everything. 
then you add on to that, it's not really a football rivalry, so to speak. We respect uh, the Raging Cajun team. We know they're good. They're you know the best in uh, um, in the West Division. And it remind me, I think they're actually ranked Jeez. this season. Is that? <coughs> Excuse me. <is> that. <laughs> Well, um, but I think the big rivalry between uh, Georgia State and uh, Cajun has been uh, basketball, basketball related with Bob Marlin. There's just been some knockdown, dragout uh, games. Uh, our fans have gone down there and, you know, didn't like the way things went. Your fans have been up here and we've definitely re- retaliated in our sports arena and basketball, uh, telling Bob Marlin exactly what uh, the fan base thought of it here. So it's been actually more of a, a fun rivalry, I believe. Whereas, you know, obviously we have our insane opponent, opponent of Georgia Southern, and that one is that just deep, deep, deep hatred. Uh, no respect, no likes. There's nothing good about those people. But whereas uh, when it comes down to the Louisiana team, it's more like, you know, you got us, we've got you. Like, just, you know, see who comes out the victor. Well, I mean, you know, when it comes to the city rivalries, first of all, who that? And then on top of that, you know, look, man, Ron Hunter did leave Atlanta for New Orleans. No offense, but. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, that uh, must have. And, and, you know, one one thing I got to ask, David, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but outside of the Braves, is, is it a trend to be a fan of crappy sports teams in Atlanta? Hey, man, if you're a fan of an Atlanta team, you are a diehard fan because we have gone through a lot of ups and downs and struggles. Uh, you know, with the exception of the Braves, that one time in the 90s, that's the only uh, championship I've seen here. Now, granted, we have the soccer team now that, yeah, uh, that did really well. They're good. They're uh, good, but, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I, uh, yeah, I've, I've been through the ups and downs, and it followed along with being a Georgia State fan as well. As soon as you get your hopes up, they just get uh, you know, knocked out from underneath you, and you're looking up wondering what the hell just happened. All right, David, I'm, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off right here. You know, obviously – the three of us are beloved New Orleans Saints fans being right here in Louisiana. Uh, and, you know, they're very high up in the NFL power rankings, just like on the college side with, you know, the number 19 Louisiana Raging Cajuns. What do, you know, what are what are your expectations for this Saturday out of out of both programs? I'm looking for a good game. I, the hard part is we haven't been able to play an actual game yet. We have been tackling in practice. I expect a good game. I don't know who's going to come out the victor. Of course, I'm going to uh, lean towards Georgia State just to kind of make that upset and make a statement. I don't know how much of that is want versus belief, but uh, I think we're going to look at a good game. I think if our if our new uh, quarterback can be what we think he is, if our running game can keep on track to uh, what it's been doing, and our defense can't get any worse. So I'm looking for a high-scoring game. I, I said it last night. I think I could see something in the 30s or 40s, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I definitely think it'll be a good one for both uh, fan bases to tune into. David, ahead of the game with the number 19 Louisiana Raging Cajuns, uh, we have a powerful running attack. We've got a probably a four-headed monster back there that can gain yards for us. What would you say was a successful day at the office? Uh, you know, say, you know, less than 200 yards, less than two, two touchdowns. Like, what is a, a reasonable expectation for your rushing defense specifically? I'd keep you out of the end zone. That's what Iowa State was able to do to you guys last week with the exception yeah, of that one garbage happen. touchdown. That's <laughs> so not going to happen. If we can do that whole, you know, I hate to say it, that did not break defense. If we can keep your guys uh, from getting into that uh, end zone, that'll be great. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm expecting a high-scoring game. I'm expecting to see you guys carrying it in there. I just uh, hope that we can do it more often than you guys do. 
David, buddy, I like I like the confidence, but you're gonna have to lower your expectations. Hey, he loves his team. Man. I gotta uh, I respect the underdog. I, we've been the underdog our entire lives. All Jim, right, so we can't Jim, be too shitty about it. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl in Mobile, called our running back tandem the best running back tandem not in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in the country, the whole right. country, in, in well, the country, C two shining C in Hawaii. Well, man, you're thinking he's so much better about this win we're going to get on Saturday, but this is the accomplishments we're going to achieve. Our defense really has come together, I guess. <laughs> hey, hey, that look, that's another thing I wanted to ask you. What is the weather like right now, and what is it looking like for Saturday? I know it's that storm's moving pretty slowly, so what's the update on the weather? Well, it's actually gorgeous here. We, have, we do have some rain right now, but it is gorgeous. I actually have the doors open, let the air breathe through here, getting some nice cool air in the house. But it is expected to get a lot worse later today. And I was just looking at the projections before we got on the call together. And it looks like we may have the real bad, rough stuff out of here uh, Friday. But I don't know what, what it's going to leave here if we're going to have any kind of last trailing rainfall or whatnot. But uh, right now, it's looking like some cloudy, cold weather. And I think that's great football playing weather, if you ask me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at the weather report right here at 11 a.m. We're looking at about 65 degrees in Atlanta, a 15% chance of rain, and wind out of the east-northeast at 11. Well, that's basically what we had at Iowa. So, at yeah. Atlanta, in names. So, we're, we're used to it. We're, we're ready to roll. That's football weather. I mean, you can't mask. I, I'm worried more about the field conditions if it rains for several days. That's what I'm worried about. Well, the field is um, state-of-the-art field. It's the exact same turf they, put, they installed at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Falcons to play on. It was the highest quality out there as far as artificial turf goes. I'm not too worried about that uh, that part of it. And I'll, we've only been playing this just our fourth season, so it's not like it's gotten um, a lot of wear with the games we've had out there already. Not, I've been a lot of games to wear out the field at all. So I, I feel pretty good about the field part. Maybe a little slippy there, slippery there to begin with, but um, hopefully it holds up and we're uh, able to watch a, a non-sloppy game. So, um, Dave, I know the school to the south, uh, your arch rival, can't, unfortunately haven't really been able to keep the numbers down on the COVID uh, stats. Uh, has Coach Sean Elliott done a good job? or well, How is he doing so far trying to keep the numbers down uh, with the football team to make sure that they're safe uh, for Saturday? I know uh, Billy Napier's and in, in, in the team here, Louisiana, has been really, really pushing to make sure that they kind of stay quarantined, stay away from uh, or stay inside of their own bubble. Um, what what is Sean Elliott doing to keep their team in the bubble, and and what kind of numbers can we expect, or can we expect this game to be played on Saturday on on your end? Well, Coach Elliott is not going to drop any amount of information about the number of players that have contracted anything, anything that the, the NCAA is not requiring. So we haven't heard much. It's unless it's been self-reported by the player itself, and to my knowledge, that's only our uh, one of our backup quarterbacks, Kelly Calisandro, who um, actually opted out of the season after his. Um, a positive test, but then just got cleared to play. He's uh, he's in good health. I don't think we'll see him out there at all. He'll be a, a true red shirt, and we'll uh, look at him next year or two years from now. But uh, Coach Elliott said something. I, I was worried myself with all this coming up. We're talking about a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids that, in college that want to go out and party and have a good time. And so I was nervous about uh, how they were going to respond. And I may butcher this quote that he had, but Coach Elliott said something along the lines of, you know, every decision you make, how much is it worth? you know, your future and your career. I know I'm, I'm butchering exactly, but, but he basically put it in their mind. Every single decision you make, think about how that benefits you today, how it benefits you tomorrow, how it benefits you next week on the next year. And when you want to go to that party or you want to go hang out with those friends outside of uh, the dorm, think about how important this program is to you and your career. Is. And I think it kind of resonated uh, with a lot of the guys. And 
from what I understand, there's not been a lot of activities outside of uh, football activities and class activities. Everything looks to be going good. The locker room seems incredibly upbeat from what I've read, heard. So uh, I think he's got a, you know, you guys even said it, you know, the big term that they're in Lafayette is culture. I think that Coach Elliott has actually created that culture of brotherhood within the locker room. These guys don't want to let each other down. They're doing their best to uh, stay healthy for um, themselves and for their brother. All right, so David, you know, I, I'm a I'm a prediction guy. I, I like to do predictions uh, this Saturday at 11. It is the number 19 Louisiana Raging Cajuns playing against Georgia Southern. You know, if you had to Panthers. say what your what you're Panthers, get it right. Georgia State, man. You're not playing against Georgia Southern. You're playing oh. against Georgia State. <laughs> oh, wait, my bad. I I, I mixed up on that one. Um, we'll, we'll edit. Right, we 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 can fix that. So, like I said, our our game with Georgia Southern. What what would you say would be the score? <laughs> well, if you're playing Georgia Southern, you know they could barely hold on to a game against Campbell. So I think you steamroll right over them. But if you're going to uh, come into Atlanta in the Center Park Stadium and take on the uh, the Panthers of uh, Georgia State, I think uh, you're not going to cover that 16 point spread. That's not going to happen. Whether uh, Georgia State wins or not, 16 points I think is too far out of reach. Um, if it does get uh, 16 points or more. It's going to be because uh, the Panthers did the same thing. The Cyclones did it, gave up at the end, and as much as score it will. I love how how I love I love the confidence because I'm, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna, I'm, gonna t- I'm gonna tell you this. I think the 16 point spread's too low. You think it's too low? Okay. Right, yeah, we I, I think we attack early and often, and we run you guys out of the building. Well, here's the thing: if the if the spread is going down, that means the money's going up. So that that the public thinks that. Games are going to have their way. But, you know, look, I said, there's a ton of variables, a ton of unknowns. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to play the game. The one thing I'm worried about is that we have zero film on Georgia State and their new quarterback. And they're, they're, uh, you, you guys have a lot of returning starters, but you have some key guys um, that will be new in key positions. So there's a lot of unknowns, and it's going to be fun to watch. There's a lot of unknowns, and there's one thing I will predict. Even though we have Hank Claude Brown as our starter at quarterback, I, we have a transfer from Vanderbilt, uh, Jamal Muhammad. And I think you will probably see some uh, scenarios where you see him on the field as well. So it, it won't be uh, just quads. They're going to mix it up on you guys, I think. And uh, it should be an interesting game. It'll be a really interesting game. Well, David, are you going to be at the game? If not, how are you watching the game? Uh, are you guys allowed to tailgate? I don't remember what the answer was from last night. Yeah, so uh, the university has said that tailgating is discouraged. So to me, what it says is, you know, don't act a fool. If you want to go out a couple of, the parking lots are opening three hours before kickoff. So I'm thinking what it's going to be is if you know you're out there, you're kicking back behind your car, sitting on your tailgate, having a beer, talking to your friend across the parking lot, across the way there, they're probably not going to give you a hard time. As far as wheeling out the large smokers and grills and the huge tents and having everybody partying together with music playing, yeah, I don't think that's going to be permitted. But my plan is there is to get there maybe an hour, hour and a half before kickoff, either have a beer in the lot, walk into the stadium, and uh, then have a few more beer in there while we watch the game. See, in Louisiana, if they said tailgate was, quote, discouraged, they may as well not we even would, put out we the would, press release. We would, still, we would still have a full lot. You're going to have double-decker trucks with sofas on top of each other, and, you know, I just... We can't have anything nice. Well, we actually do something very interesting at uh, the new stadium. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the former Braves Stadium, but they have a large uh, uh, on the bricks area inside the stadium before we get to the ticketing turnstiles. And what we've started doing there is actually effectively tailgating inside of the stadium. 
we have the Squatchy set that sends up for everybody, and then for the ones that have to pay tickets for it. And we do a pretty large tailgate right there. It's um, it's small, but it's becoming Georgia State's own little iconic tailgate thing. And it's a lot of fun. Everybody that goes to the game got to pass through our tailgate to get to the stadium. It's pretty neat. We won't be doing that this year because of everything, but uh, it's definitely something that's taken off and the fans have really come to enjoy it. That's cool, man. We had a similar idea back uh, when the new administration came in. They started doing these surveys for fans and looking for ideas to kind of increase the student uh, participation. And that was one of my ideas. That's incredible. That actually got implemented somewhere. Uh, I, I did want to ask you, were you able to get your equipment guys to get you a game ball? <laughs> you know what? They have been awfully silent about everything since uh, last night. Uh, Funny how that I'll works. I'll these guys on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. David, you know, lastly, before we wrap up again, you know, you're playing the, the number 19 team in the country, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns with a G. Not with not with a J, with a G. Um, yeah, I, I saw that this morning. I apologize about that, guys. I don't oh, know come on. No, man. No, 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 don't don't apologize. Great. We love it. We love you, it. You, you did it out of spite for us, and that's okay. I love it. <laughs> I actually went back and fixed it in all the places that I uploaded yesterday. I don't know why I why I was thinking that. I, was, uh, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Drinks. I'll tell you this. You were not the first person to use a J instead of a G. <laughs> well, and we've got – there's somebody that's spelled A-R-J-U-N-S. Rajuns, yeah, the the Rajun Cajuns. <laughs> Listen, I hope it's on purpose. I want to piss as many people off as I can. This is what it's all about. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, dis- I'll disrespect you by calling you ooh la la, or I'll disrespect you. Don't by you calling dare! You off Don't you uh, dare! I'm not going to disrespect you by disrespecting. All right, <laughs> if you, if, David. You know, I I I, I kind of like you. If you call us you la la, our friendship might be terminated. I think it's ooh la la. But either way, I think I think ooh la la is the is the one where no oh, that that's the that's yeah. the bone chiller. Yeah, the Lafayette stuff is uh, look we get that from all over the state. We're we're over it, but you know nationally we won the name battle, so it's kind of funny now. But the ooh la la thing kind of gets me. I'm not gonna lie. See, that's where that's yeah, where I, I, I was gonna say that's where we return the favor and like purposely call you Georgia Southern after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you one thing. I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have caught it or not, but last year in week one after we uh, beat Tennessee. We came out with our own little logo, and there was up, the word upset, but the U and the T were the, the University of Tennessee U and T, and that was our little moniker selling t shirts and upset. I was talking to one of the marketing guys yesterday before the show, and uh, we were talking about some other stuff. And then I asked him a question. I was like, what's going to be the, uh, the t shirt that we sell after we beat uh, Lafayette? Is it going to be U L O L or U L O L? And that's when it stops talking to me. So if you guys see U uh, L O L, shirt out there you know where it came from well if, if you win on saturday very small if but if you if you win you would be defeating the louisiana raging cajuns number 19 right again in La- lafayette <laughs> is a college in pennsylvania and they are the leopards but i will say this if you which is win lame and you get the shirt send me the shirt just for keepsake yeah, just, just for shits and giggles <laughs> send us all one it oh. sounds good yeah i know what if i'll tell you this i'll, I'll just promise you guys when we win on Saturday, it'll be Louisiana for now on. How's that sound? Oh man, I love it. this is so good. I love the pettiness. And, and by the by it. the way, I was watching the live stream and I saw that you were chugging your beers out of a state of Atlanta koozie. Can can we can we do a koozie swap? You know, I'll send yeah, you, yeah, I'll send I'll you some Rage Review koozies if you send us some state of Atlanta ones. Like like a jersey swap. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll send you some swag. Sounds good. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, also, too, uh, Dave, you know, I've seen a few things on Twitter. Ten-year anniversary of your football program. Just talk a little bit about where, where how far you've come. or how, I mean, do you, is this where you want to be? Talk a little bit about and, your And how excited you are to play the number 19 team in the country, the Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's fast. That, and your conference, too. I mean, that's fast. That, that, that is fact. Yeah, so I went to Georgia State back in the, uh, the, the mid-late 90s when uh, football was absolutely not in anyone's expectations whatsoever at all. So I waited a long time for Georgia State to have a football team. But I would go to my buddies' uh, games at the University of Georgia. I had friends at Virginia Tech. I'd go up there, and I absolutely love the atmosphere atmosphere and everything. And I said to myself back then, if Georgia State gets a football team ever, I don't care how old I am, I will be sitting front row, 50-yard line for every single game. That's going to be my team. I'm going to forget about everybody else. And sure enough, it took a long time, but we got that football team. And my, my seats in the Georgia Dome weren't exactly 50-yard line. They're about 40-yard line, but I was front row there. And for that first game, I'll tell you what, man, you talk about some excitement. Beating Tennessee was great, but that very first football game of Georgia State's career against Shorter College, where we put up 41-7 to against them, now that was just a feeling that I've never had before in my life when it comes to the sports world. And <laughs> pretty much that was the highlight of our program until we beat Tennessee <laughs> last year. It's been a very difficult road for us. We've had some highs and moved to FBS in three years, which is, you know, we were not built for that. I think it's what was necessary for the program. You're not going to have a successful FCS program in an urban environment like Atlanta to be successful. It's just not going to happen. We needed to be FBS. We needed to have opponents coming in here that all the people busy in Atlanta would actually want to come and see. We want to have ranked opponents to come into Atlanta. And, you know, we, so we got that coming this week, only the second time ever. We got some good schedules with uh, UNC coming to town, Vanderbilt coming to town. So we have some name opponents coming in, and we would not have got that with an FCS program. So we needed to be FBS. We should have prepared from the very beginning to do that. We did not. We're paying the price for that still today. But I like the direction of the program. I like where we're going. I think that uh, the best days of uh, Georgia State are obviously ahead of them, and it's a fun time to be a Panther. Well, listen, we can definitely – uh, understand the long, hard road. It has been the same for us. We've been in FBS for like 100 years, and we just now has have started making, making inroads nationally. So, uh, look, totally understand. I want to commend you for a few things. Number one, your fandom. Uh, are these programs, especially these Sunbelt programs that have had to fight for everything we could get for the last 10 to 20 years, uh, we need guys like you. We need guys that do podcasts for fun. We need those type of people to to create a community, a grassroots community to support these programs. It's important for the institutions that really help our city. Uh, also, I want to commend you on your podcast, man. You guys, I really like your format. I like the way you do it. I like the fun in it. That's what it should be to me. If you're going to cover a team, you should be passionate about it. And then thirdly, I, I, look, we certainly appreciate you being a good sport, man. Obviously, we were just having a little bit of fun, but Look, this is the kind of stuff that football is all about, especially collegiate football. Have some pride in your, your school and your alma mater, and, and let's go out there and get after each other and have a good time. David, a test before we, a test before we let you go, man. 11 a.m. on Saturday. Who are you guys playing against? 11 a.m., uh, I'll be sitting in the parking lot tailgating. But it's come noon Eastern time, the correct time zone, we'll be uh, playing the uh, Raging Cajuns out of Lafayette, Louisiana. Hey, that's not bad. I mean, right. Yeah, you well, you, just, you just missed one little detail, right. PC. But right. you know, num- number 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 nineteen. But you know, we'll, we'll let you slide for that one. Twenty-one of the coaches polls. Right. So I mean, whatever way you look at it, we're still still doing well. All right. And I, I do want to say, with everything that's being done here, I do want to say uh, congratulations, guys. That was an amazing point last week. I know the 
great for the program, for the fan base and everything. That's a, a huge win. That's one that you'll remember uh, uh, where you were you know, forever. So uh, congrats. It was a great game for you guys. Thanks, man. Dave, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Up, appreciate you. Bye-bye. Right Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts. Welcome back to Radio Interview. Matt Miguez, Josh Jogno, Jerry Abair is here with me as well. Let's dive right into it, guys. We just interviewed Braley Weiler of the Thursday night.com Georgia State podcast about the football game on Saturday. And, you know, right off the bat, Josh, Jerry, what were, what were you guys' thoughts? What was the re- initial reaction? I liked him. I was I thought it was substantive and that's always what we're trying to do here is mine good information for our audience and for our fan base. Stuff you can't just find in the paper or you know on the uh, on the radio station around here. So uh, I thought it was good. Yeah, very informative. Um it's always good like Josh said to get perspective from, you know, fans and other podcasts and other people of of different fan bases that follow their team just as much as we follow the Cajuns. Um and of course like Josh said as well. Um, you know, familiarizing our fan base with, with the opponent, uh, and that, that opponent is Georgia State. So, of course, Brady was able to give us some some really, really good information. So there's going to be some things that he talked about that I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be looking for this Saturday on ESPN, too. Yeah, I, for I sure. I definitely learned something. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of this, you know, behind enemy lines mm-hmm. segment kind of thing, you know. Yes. It, it's always it's always good to get a behind-the-scenes kind of look sure. on, on your upcoming opponent. Um, 
You know, Josh, you, you've been saying since our reaction pod on Saturday that you are deathly afraid of Georgia State. <laughs> I'm deathly afraid of Georgia State. I am deathly afraid of Georgia let me, State. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm deathly afraid. I'm concerned. Fair. My reason for being concerned is this is the ultimate dictionary definition of a trap game. It is 100% a trap game. So my question is, outside of it being a trap game, why are you deathly afraid of Georgia State? Because my fandom has been crippled for 30 years of letdowns. Uh, That's one. I suffer from CDS. That's two. Uh, I know what it takes. I say I know what it takes. I know that it's a huge unknown when you have a team that has never experienced a certain level of success, and then they have to go turn around and play in, you know, a place where we don't really have a major rivalry with Georgia State. I don't hate them. Players probably don't hate them. Like, there's really no animosity. There's no extra energy to get you up. Um, We've played them twice in five years. We're not even all that familiar with them. So there's so many unknowns, and I just don't want to show up lethargic and flat. I think one thing that bodes well for us is that we could have played a whole lot better on offense on last, you know, last Saturday. So I think that our, our players are hungry. I always like to win, but have a lot to correct. You know, I say that a lot, but so that gives me some, some hope. And I think our defense is really, really good. Okay. So, so I'm not, I'm not like scared of them uh, from an X's and O's standpoint or, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy and Joe's standpoint. I'm more of I'm what's going on in those guys' minds? What's going on in the coach's staff mind? What what you know, we don't have any film on this new Georgia State team. Georgia State has film on us. There's a lot, man. There's there's a lot. It's not just, oh, you look on paper and we're better than them, and of course we're better than them on paper. But the game's not played on paper, so yeah, I'm scared. Shit, I'm always scared when we play a football game. Well look, you know, I'll tell you this, uh we're we're sitting here on Wednesday morning and uh last night the culture Season three, episode one came out, Man. and was I the only one that just wanted to put on some pads and run through a brick wall? Bravo to Mr. Douglas Domain. Wow, he killed. It was a great. It was a great. Free songs. Great, great episode. Really. They good. they don't understand how we do it, men. Yeah. yeah. Make them remember the yeah. Louisiana Raging Cajuns. <sighs> Dude, I got some serious Denzel Washington remember the remember Titans the type Titans. vibes. You yeah. sure they remember one thing, one thing I really liked was he said, you know, make them remember this day for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I'm talking about Iowa State, and they did. They, <laughs> they will. Did. Oh, they will. And then, and then the greatest, like, five second quote in that entire video from Billy Napier it's time to introduce them to the culture. Yes. <sighs> I know, man. How do you not play with it, man? You know, it's, it's great. It's great. Oh, man. Having said all that, 24-hour rule, get back to work. Oh, yeah. And you don't know what roll, goes on roll, from— Roll up roll up your sleeves, get dirty. That's right. You don't know what goes on from Tuesday to Saturday morning. So we're going to see. We also don't know about COVID yet. We don't know fully about injuries until this afternoon. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, we just don't know. There's a lot we don't know. And I'm not trying to upplay the game. I, I'm, I'm not trying to make it interesting. I, I just think that there's a lot that we have to see. You know, I, there's a lot of things that we just don't know still about our football team. And, of course, again, you know, even as fans, we're trying to adjust to handling this type of success. Um, I know the, the team has a different mindset than we do, but 
You know, I look, I remember when I was a kid, um, after the week after the Cajuns had beaten A and M, um, my family and I drove down to Hattiesburg and went to the game against I'm Southern sorry. Miss. Yeah. And, and I mean Southern Miss destroyed us that That was day. disappointing. They they destroyed us that day. I was seven years old. I still remember that game pretty well and from from start to finish, Southern Miss controlled that game and so you know, I've seen the other side of it after handling a certain level of success, what, what it can do. Um, and also, too, like you said, Josh, we don't know much about this Georgia State team. Um, you know, there's no film to look at. They don't. We don't really know who are the main playmakers because they haven't taken a snap yet. Uh, and as fans, um, you know, we're still trying to get used to this national ranking. I mean, to hear, you know, being ranked number 19 in the country is still, that, that's something that's still hard to grasp. Um, knowing that it's a fact. And so I think, I think yeah, the, the I am deathly afraid of Georgia State, uh, it, it does spell trap game. And for a little fun fact for you guys, the Sunbelt Conference outside of uh, Appalachian State last year, having consistency, keeping their top 25 ranking, before App State last year, uh, two or three times you've seen Sunbelt schools break the top 25, and the very next week they, they, they lose. Um, that happened in 2017. Well, even App State did that. Well, yeah. Well, Troy Troy had beaten LSU in 2017 only for them to drop a game against an inferior South Alabama team the next week. And, I mean, got got destroyed. And then the year after that, App State cracks the top 25, and then Georgia Southern beats them by 20. So, outside of last year, not many Sunbelt schools have been able to maintain that top 25 ranking. And, and I just hope that with what App State did last year, maintaining that ranking, I hope the Cajuns can follow up this week with a win in Atlanta. And of course, you know, I know we have a lot of unknowns, but I also want to say real quickly off the record, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody on the Gulf Coast right now with Hurricane Sally hitting land, making landfall uh, on the coast. And I just want to say that, you know, Atlanta might get some rain. Atlanta might get some rain this weekend. That can actually... No, there, there's no, there's no might. They're, they're, Atlanta's getting rain. Well, they're getting rain. So that... That can affect our game plan, too, as far as, you know, Not preparing for the weather and stuff. Run, run the ball, baby. We'll run the ball, but but that can that can, that can can do a little, a little make a little difference. Run the ball. So, but but still, weather makes a difference regardless. And look, I agree with you. I, I would definitely say run the ball as well. I, I, I still, I, I, I'm still hoping that come Saturday, regardless of weather, regardless of anything, that mentally we're, we're, we'll be prepared. A wet field plays better into our game plan than it does theirs. Oh, I would agree with that. So, but I, would let it, like, I mean, let yeah. it rain, baby. Let it rain. Let's get nasty. Can the Cajuns handle success? Why or why not? Yes, I do. Um, because we have Billy Napier as coach. Uh, like I've said one too many times, and I'll say it again, uh, I've noticed since Billy has been the head guy, I don't think the Cajuns have ever really overlooked a team. The only time I could say that was when they made a few mistakes in 2018 against Coastal. But they, they were still learning how to play as a team and still learning how to win. So I really can't even consider that as overlooking an opponent. Um, last year, we saw it all season. He never overlooked anyone, uh, regardless of uh, how much, how many points they might have been favored by. Yeah, they might have played, they might have come out flat once or twice, but never really overlooked the team. Uh, so I have confidence, like you said, the 24-hour rule came into effect. And, you know, I think if there's any coaching staff that can teach a team how to handle success, it's this one. Uh, these guys, these, this coaching staff, a lot of them have coached in, in the upper echelon of, of bigger conferences. So they've, they've, they've dealt with that. You know, Billy Napier was a coach at Alabama for five years. Rob Sale coached at Alabama. You know, those guys coached at big schools. So they know the formula of how to handle success. So 
if there's any way of having a coaching staff or having a team that knows how to handle success, I'm glad it's this coaching staff to teach them that. So, yes, I'm very confident that I think they'll be able to handle this uh, going into Saturday. Josh, what about you? Probably don't want to hear this, and I promise it's not a cop-out answer, but the answer is nobody knows. Nobody. The coaches don't know. The players don't know. You know why? Because they've never been here before. This is uncharted territory. Uh, when they get out there, if maybe Georgia State brings a, a, an extra edge to them and they start to doubt themselves for whatever reason, uh, that's how it happens. So do I believe it? Yes or no? I don't know. Nobody knows. And I know that's kind of a, a chicken shit answer, I guess, but I, I, they're going to find out as they go. Again, this is like a novel thing to us. We don't, we've never been here. So I, I think that it'll be interesting and definitely something to keep your eye on as the game plays out on Saturday. Uh, I, I, like I said, I still think we're learning about our team. I think our team is learning about themselves. Yeah, you know, I, I would kind of agree with that. I think that, you know, like like you both said, I, I agree we can handle success. But the, the question is, is, you know, the more the more games we win, the brighter the lights are going to get. Well, confidence is important. The okay. brighter. The brighter well, you you see, still have some and, new and starters right. out there. And then that's leading into my point. The brighter the lights are going to get. Sure. I, I have a I have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that confidence will turn into arrogance. That's CDS. It does a lot. It does sometimes. Yeah. So. And that is CDS. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I just <laughs> look. That's why. And now this, I have. I have a lot of confidence in our head coach to keep our guys with the blinders on, like Rob used to say. Just plow one row at a time. One and zero every week. That's that's it, and it's cliche and, and God, annoying. that's corny. It's awful. I know it, but it's true. We need to look at Georgia State, and that's only the thing that that's the only thing we need to listen to or think about. All right, guys. Score predictions for this weekend. We skipping unit matchups. I feel like we kind of discussed a lot of that in the interview. All right. Well, I want to say something else you want to add. I want to say one thing. Uh, my unit matchup spotlight this week is our linebackers and coverage against their tight ends. They have good tight ends. We we played a team that had good tight ends, but one of the best tight ends in the country was out. So I would love to see what our, uh, you know, McCaskill, Farad, you know, Moncrief's going to have to drop back. I want to see what those guys do because, look, guys, you got to understand, Quad Brown's a redshirt freshman. He's starting his first collegiate game. Lots of times when you have a good tight end, it's a security blanket for the new quarterback. I think it's going to be important for linebackers to drop back. I'm going to say kind of similar to what you just said, Josh, but I'm going to say our secondary versus Cornelius McCoy and Sam Pinckney, uh, two veteran receivers coming back. Can the secondary pick up from where our, they left off last week? Our corners own them. Okay, that's Own good. them. Can they can they come back from what they did last week and continue that and then And then with the safeties that we've got to help? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, good good, good luck, Georgia State. I have a healthy bit of confidence. I'm looking, All I'm saying. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I really do. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, of course – I am kind of curious to see how Quad Brown will play in his first start against this defense. That's going to be interesting. I've got one for you. Our running backs versus their defensive line. This, this is a team that gave up 36 points per game and 460 yards of offense last year. Uh, again, I have a healthy dose of confidence yeah, in, we'll uh, in our running score. game against their defense. The ball, baby. We're, we're going to score points. Yeah. I'd Run. also like to see Levi get on track, though. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Score predictions for the game. What y'all got? Jerry? Um, I I know it's the first game for Georgia State, 
Um, you know, the, the good news about last week was, like, we all agree that the offense didn't play 100%. Um, I think they get back on track this week. I think this week Levi and this offense are going to look at film and go, oh, man, we made these mistakes. I think hopefully they had, they're having a good week of practice. I think the passing game, depending on the weather, like you said, it's going to rain, but I would like to see the passing game improve, get some of those young receivers to touch the ball a little bit more. I think if they can get a passing game going with the rushing attack on that defense, I do expect the Cajuns to score some points. I think defensively, you're playing against a first-time starter. I'm sure he's going to be rattled a little bit. I like the Cajuns in this one. 17-point spread. I think the Cajuns come out. I'll probably say something around the score of, I'd say, I think the Cajuns are going to probably beat the spread. I say 34-13 Cajuns. Okay. Uh, you know, they say the old adage is a team improves the most from week one to week two. Uh, Georgia State doesn't have that. That They're playing their first game, so they don't have that luxury. Um, I do think that, you know, we saw a little bit of rust and, and things were off for the offense. I think that is kind of blanket across the country. You see that a lot with offense. Defense is typically ahead of offense anyway at the beginning of the college football season. But I think we have that over them. Uh, we, we've gotten out on the field. We've played a little bit. So I think we have that advantage. I expect occasions to score points. Um, you still got to remember that we, we have problems at wide receiver from an injury standpoint. I like who we're putting out there. We still don't know Dante Fleming, if he's going to play, how healthy he is. So just keep in mind, you know, I expect to score points, but that's definitely something to keep our eye on. Uh, I think this final score is 35-20 Cajuns. Line 17. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cajuns cover and then some. It's going to be a rainy, sloppy Saturday morning, which bodes well for us. Well, you know what else comes our, with bad weather? Turnovers. Our, our, our white jerseys are going to turn a nice little brown color. If the weather is a problem, turnovers are... That's, that's scary. You talking about us forcing them or us Anyone. creating them? It's it, it's an evil. It's more of an even playing field when the turnover battle starts to come in to play. Forty-two fourteen. Fair enough. Forty-two fourteen. Cajuns win. For the betting corner, I would say take the points, especially if you get the hook. Seventeen and a half. I'm taking. I would never actually place the bet. I don't bet with Cajuns, but. 17 and a half, I'd take the Panthers all day. All right, guys, quick rundown of the Sunbelt Conference games in week two. Obviously, us in Georgia State, 11 a.m., ESPN2. At 2.30, un unbelievable that this is happening. Yeah. Number 23, App State, traveling to Huntington, West Virginia, to take on the Marshall Thundering Herd in the primetime SEC slot on CBS. Hey, go apps. Beat the blundering turds. Do it in front of six, seven million people. Upset alert. L look, let's... Uh, here, I'm, I'm going for app. Because here's the thing. I want app to be undefeated and ranked when we go to boom. The more eyes that are on the Sun Belt Absolutely. this year... Absolutely. ...only helps to elevate our program, app's program, and everybody in the in the belt. I mean, I'm it's going, important. I'm going for app. I think Marshall wins. I do. I like App. It's a toss-up. It's, it's a toss-up. It, it, it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. An App's favorite? Yeah. I, I think Marshall beat the brakes off of a bad team last week. Fair. That's fair. Well, say, no, it's week before last that they played. Oh, yeah, Eastern that's, Kentucky? That's fair. They beat the brakes off a very bad team. App State is no Eastern Kentucky. They're going to play defense. They're still starting. That guy's a redshirt freshman, Wells. It's Wells, right? Yeah. For Yeah, so he... He was great. Don't get me wrong. He threw some dimes. Four hundred yards. I watched. Yeah, I watched the game. So, 
they are a problem. They play some good defense. I like their offensive line. Uh, again, App State is not Eastern Kentucky. First of all, it's going to be a good game for college football. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Also at two thirty on ESPN, Florida Atlantic. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Florida Atlantic will travel to Statesboro to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles. Um, line currently from ESPN is Florida Atlantic five and a half. I think that game is on the rocks because the Owls are well, struggling to field a football team. As well as the so Eagles. So are Georgia Southern. That's true. So as it well may, as the Eagles. It may not get played. Yeah, maybe not. Three o'clock ESPN two. Troy goes for trip one of two to Murfreesboro, Tennessee to take on Middle Tennessee. Jesus, that's going to be a blowout. Well, they look like shit. That's going to be a bl- Troy's running over them. That said, this is Troy's first game. It is, but yeah. Troy, even knocking off the rust, I think that game gets ugly. We'll see. 6.30 ESPNU, Texas State, hopefully getting Brady McBride back at quarterback, will be in Monroe, or as I like to call it, no fun row, to take on the Fauxhawks. Monroe. Monroe, I like that one. I haven't heard that one before. Texas I, State is currently a touchdown favorite. Really? Yeah, that's high. Six points. Monroe's first game? Second. Second, Second game. game. Yeah, they, they, got they got creamed by Army. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I think that's going to be a good matchup. Anytime you start confident, uh, or conference, it's a it's a different deal. So it'll be something to look, keep our eye on. It's probably a boring game, though. I'm not really too particularly interested in that game. Uh, but, yeah, like, I'd, I'd like to see McBride play again. Yeah, no, no question about it. Cajun Nation, we appreciate you joining. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rage and Review. RageInterviewPod.com. Great work by Vaulted Security on that one. And you can find us just about everywhere you can get your podcast. Blowing up. Um, Blowing up, baby. We will talk to you guys after the Georgia State game. Until then, be safe, be well, and go Cajuns. Tell them, Moe.